This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Craig Cabanis, the lead pastor, is the speaker for this message. Open up your Bible, if you would, to Philippians 4. If you don't have a Bible, in the seat in front of you, there should be a Bible, and you can turn to page 571. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible, open to 571, read along with us, and then take that Bible home with you. Uh, it's our gift to you. Merry Christmas. Uh, so when a... Uh, give that to you. We are in an Advent series, I said earlier, is recognizing the coming of the Lord, uh, seeking to have a longing and an expectation for Him during this season. So that's what we're really uh, studying. And we're studying peace, the theme of peace. And so today I want to talk about peace for the stressed out peace for stressed out folks today. Now, last week, uh, we did a message on the Prince of Peace, and you could go listen to it if you'd like on our website. It covers the entire Bible and just looks at how uh, peace and God's peace mission is really central to the whole story of Scripture, that Jesus comes to restore the peace, or the shalom is the word. The shalom means the way things ought to be, really. The peace that was broken by the, the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, and that Jesus comes to restore that, and one day we'll restore that fully for all believers by bringing a new heavens and a new earth. In the meantime, he is ruling and reigning in our lives as the Prince of Peace, and so that's what we talked about. Today we're going to talk about a super practical application of peace, and that is through, for holiday stress. We have a couple of Christmas books out there, one by Tim Keller, one by Tim Chester uh, that we recommended last week. They're out there, but we have one more book on peace that I want to recommend to you that's out there. It's called Real Peace. Uh, what We Long For and Where to Find It by Andy Farmer. Andy Farmer is, uh, is a friend. He's a pastor in Philadelphia at a sister church of ours and uh, actually teaches, co-teaches with Pete on biblical counseling. Um, but he is, uh, this, he's written an outstanding book on the theme of peace. It has nothing to do with Christmas. I mean, he may mention Christmas, but that's not the theme of the book. But the theme is peace, and that's what we're talking about. So let me pray, and then we will uh, we'll jump in. God, we come to you with our various burdens today, and we confess that in this room we are a weary people. Lord, there are people in the room that are weary. There are people that are anxious and fearful, troubled, and uh, concerned about the future. Lord, there are some of us that are walking in with burdens of guilt and uh, burdens of I haven't done enough, don't measure up. Burdens of how can I do all that I need to do, and Lord, just all kinds of burdens. And I pray that as we look at this text today, that you would be our peace, and that you would, in not a merely intellectual way, but in a tangible, personal, internal way, communicate your peace by the Holy Spirit to each believer here. And anyone who doesn't know you, I pray that you would make peace with them today. They would make peace with you, that you would reconcile them to yourself through Christ, uh, who is our peace, that they would know you today. So come, Holy Spirit of God, and teach us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I knew Christmas stress was an issue. Uh, not because I experience a ton of it. Like, really, my wife does so much. She does so much for the Christmas stuff around our house. So, 
uh, you know, I try to shield her from as much stress as possible, but I probably don't experience as much as many, especially shopping kinds of people. But uh, so I did some internet research. I, I do have some, I do have some stress for sure at Christmas, but I did some in- internet research under Christmas stress and just found out this is a way more massive issue than I knew. I spent two hours uh, looking at this and the amount of, and the severity, I mean, I looked at psychological websites, medical websites websites, um, all kinds of stuff, talking about this time of year. And I called a couple of articles out that these weren't like on the 10th page of the search. This came up right away. So these are well-read articles. And the reason I want to bring a couple of these to your attention, uh, and I'm not mocking these. I want to make that clear, though they're funny, I think. Uh, And so... uh, I trust I'm not being self-righteous here, but as I, as I read some that's offered for Christmas stress, I just read, and I want to share this with you, there's got to be more than our world has to offer us for relief from stress at Christmas time. So here's one of the primary articles I read, Christmas Stress Relief. Christmas can be a very stressful time of year. For many, the Christmas holiday period is a mass of complex social interactions with family or relatives, some of whom you may rather not see. Some people rate Christmas as being more stressful than divorce or being burgled, which means a burglar comes in your house, I guess, I didn't look it up. Now, if the dissolution of your marriage is less stressful than Christmas, you are doing Christmas wrong. Let me just say, Christmas should not be more stressful than the ending of a covenant relationship for sure. Or having someone break into your house and steal your stuff, that should be a little more concerning than Christmas, but it does. And so then they have this trigger warning. It says, this page provides tips and advice uh, for stress-free Christmas, uh, but, but we, we, want, we did not add to the stress by deliberately putting images of holly, robin, snowmen, or anything Christmassy on this page. So people would be so stressed that seeing holly would somehow trigger panic. So, okay, so they're really trying to help folks. Here's what they say. Plan ahead. This is the first thing. Plan ahead. You want to not be stressful? Start making a list of what you need to do early. Shopping, food, presents, decorations, seating plans, or travel arrangement. Make the list as detailed as possible. Include people's numbers and email addresses to make contacting them simpler. If that is not stressful, I mean, announcing to you today, you need, if you don't have a seating chart for where grandpa's sitting on the 25th, you're way behind, okay? You should be worried about Christmas. They say shop online, good counsel. Uh, Christmas cards, start early. Many Christmas cards are sent out mid-November. You're three weeks late, people. If you, if you have not sent them out, I, so I'm reading this, I'm thinking, I was not stressed. I mean, literally sitting in front of the fireplace, very relaxed. Christmas tree lit. I started being like, oh, three weeks ago. Oh, no, I don't know who's sitting where. I don't even know who we're going to be eating with fully on Christmas Day yet, much less where they're sitting. Uh, it says, here's some things to do. Play relaxing music. Good idea. Seasonal carols. Burn some scented candles. Burn incense. Uh, take a relaxing hot bath to unwind. That's great if you're at home, but I'm, I'm not home that much. Most of the day, I'm at work. And if I start in the office, really, I start feeling stressed. I'm going to burn like hippie incense and like people are going to come in. I'm going to be in a bathrobe, like I just bathe. I don't, how can you do these things? Seating arrangements. This is, this is a good tip. But if this is the best we have, if there's someone coming for dinner that you dislike, avoid sitting opposite them. Instead, seat them to one side of somebody that they get along with and invite a few more reasonable people along as it will help dilute any stress caused by relatives. 
So if you've got crazy relatives, just invite a dozen strangers that they don't know that are your friends, and that'll dilute the crazy is what they're saying. So if you have three whack people and you've got 12 strangers, then it'll just feel like one crazy at dinner. And so these are the th- I'm thinking there's got to be better. Drink decaffeinated coffee. That is ba- I've never been so stressed that I couldn't drink regular coffee. <laughs> If that day comes, just shoot me. I mean, I, shoot me, please. Uh, I'd rather be stressed and have caffeine. You know, uh, so practice breathing. That's good. Serious, no joking. Breathing techniques can be helpful if you're panicking. It says have an escape plan. So, like, you need to have an escape plan. So at dinner, if things go wrong, be imaginative and do something like leaving the room to make a phone call or to check on your neighbors. I mean, seriously, I've never been at a Christmas dinner that was so bad. I mean, I can see it this year. We're a politically divided nation. I can see grandpa meddling and knowing there's different views on the new president and saying, so what does everybody think about Trump at the dinner table? And it's about to explode in conflict. So if that happens, just leave and start going door to door down the street. Knock, How are you guys doing? Can I come in? There's a, there's a fight at my Christmas uh, over president-elect Trump. So I, I don't know. But so have an escape plan. Make time for exercise. Don't drink too much. I agree with all that. Have fun. I'll try. My, my favorite though, and I'll, I'll this when we're done, was actually a health site. It's WebMD. I'll tell you who it is. Their plan was just the best. I'm going to give you just the very minimum of this full article on avoiding Christmas stress. Here's the secret. It says, just say no. Okay, this is, you're going to be glad you came to church. Say no to parties you don't want to attend. Just feel liberated, people. Just say no. Now, but then I would be stressed, like, what do they think of me? Will they invite me back? Do they think I don't like them? So that would create more stress for me, but maybe not for you. Say no to out-of-control giving. Excellent. Kids, why, Dad, why don't we have presents this year? No. Dad just read an article and said no. <laughs> say, now, this is the best. Say no to unwanted house guests. This is a medical website. Say no to unwanted house guests. Here are preventative tactics. Quote, you're coming to town? Fantastic. A great new hel- hotel just opened up. You will love it. <laughs> I slipped and said hell because that's what some of the relatives coming probably feels like. I'm just going to acknowledge that that was a Freudian slip, but uh, I really don't cuss in sermons if you're new here. That was the first time. Sorry. Uh, then this one. I can't wait to see you. Do you need recommendations on a good place to stay? Oh man. So just say no to big holiday celebrations. Friends, there has got to be better answers than walking through the neighborhood when it gets tense and telling people to stay in hotels. There's got to be better solutions than that. And the passage we're looking at this morning talks to us about peace that is offered to us through Jesus. Look at Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, Here's something to understand about the book, since we're not teaching through Philippians, just the context that's really important to understand here. Paul wrote this letter from prison. He is under tremendous stress and tremendous suffering in prison. And throughout the letter, he is talking about joy. As a matter of fact, it's often known as Paul's letter of joy. So 
there, he, there is a dichotomy throughout the letter between one's circumstances and one's joy, one's experience of Christ. It starts in what we read, verse 4, which well, throughout the book. But he says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. He, he's teaching us to look beyond our circumstances, look beyond our relationships, and look to rooting our well-being in Christ. Later in this same chapter, he says, I've learned what it is to be content in any situation. And the secret of that contentment is rooting my soul's well-being in who Jesus is and what he's done for us in his cross and resurrection in particular. What he's done for us and not rooting my well-being in my circumstances. That's a fundamental truth throughout the letter. And so from here, we see he applies that to peace. Look at verse 7 again. After praying, he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Four things from this verse I want to talk about peace for our stress during this season. Number one, he speaks of a divine peace. A divine peace. Look at it. And the peace of God. He's talking about something that comes from outside of us. It comes from God. He's talking about something that cannot be manufactured humanly. He's talking about something that cannot, we cannot self-create. He's talking about something that you cannot make happen on your own. It is of God. It is from God. It is a divine peace. I mean, the whole passage, again, is focused that way. Rejoice in the Lord. So look to him, he is saying. There is a joy beyond our circumstances. He is at hand. That means he is near. It also means he will return and make all things right. And so because of that, look to him. He then calls us to pray. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, verse 6, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So in the midst of where you would be tempted to be anxious, he says, where there are stresses, lift our eyes to God, he says, and talk to him. Talk to God. That's prayer. Supplication means um, making a, a genuine and earnest request. So talk to God, make requests of God. Tell him what your burdens are. Relate to him the anxieties that you are experiencing. Connect with God. That's why it's divine. It's not just something I can do. Now listen, I really wasn't mocking the other things. There are benefits. There can be benefits, especially to some of the things taking care of our body, exercise, sleep, uh, the way we eat, um, even relaxing music, whatever. All that stuff can be helpful. I get it. It can be. But he's talking about something here that is divine, of God. Listen to the way the New Living Translation translates verse 6. I think they translate it in such a compelling, uh, crisp way. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So well said. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. That's exactly what the verse is communicating. And then you'll know the peace that passes understanding. Peace comes from God and it comes as we look to him. Don't be anxious, but pray, talk to God, make supplication, make requests, let him know your burdens. This is the exact same thing with different words that, Paul, that Peter writes in 1 Peter 5. Listen to this verse. It's a common, commonly known verse, but listen to it in the context of what we're talking about today, Christ's peace. 
He says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties on God because he cares for you. Paul, in Philippians 4, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. It's the same thing. It's casting. Casting means you are throwing it off. You know, like if you are casting, uh, casting in fishing, you cast out. You're, 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 you're tossing the line. You're tossing the hook and the bait out from you. You're getting it away from you and making a cast. This is how many of us live. And me too. This is how we live. We live like with a massive backpack on our back filled with bricks that each represent a worry, an anxiety, a burden, an uncertainty. And we walk through so much of our day with this huge backpack. And throughout the day, we reach back and we pull out a brick and we study it. We look at it. We ponder it. We think, what's going to happen? Well, what should I do? We strategize. We imagine, we imagine the conversation that we're going to have with the person that we're stressed about and how that's going to be. And we, we mull it over and we feel worse. And then we take it and we throw it right back in the pack and walk a little further. And then we grab another one. And maybe it's a different one. Maybe this is, if it's Christmas, maybe this is financial and shopping. Maybe it's relatives. Uh, maybe it could be anything dealing with the sea. Then we put it back and then, and then we pull the same one out. And this is what first Peter's saying, cast your care on him. This is what Paul is saying. Let your request be made known to God. He's saying, when the thought comes up, you pull it out of the backpack and then you toss it to the Lord. You say, Lord, yeah, financially, I don't know. We do need a budget and a plan. That's a different topic, but what, I, what the burden of it, we toss it to the Lord. My relationship, who's coming? The family's coming, thinking about that. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about peace and conflict. We toss it. Matter of fact, we don't just toss each of these. We take the backpack off, and the Lord wants us to drop the backpack at his feet. And the desire is that we walk in a freedom without the burdens. Now, it's a battle, and it, you're never backpack-free for very long, I don't believe, until heaven. I mean, it's not like, it's not like I've gone weeks at a time without even thinking about a brick. No, it, it, it is a lifestyle, but we're growing. There are things I don't worry about now that 10 years ago I regularly worried about, five years ago. So it's a growth. We grow in walking and experiencing the peace of God. Now, let me say this, and this is, please, if it, please listen to this, especially if you're skeptical about what I'm talking about. This is very important that I understand that anxiety, this, what I'm saying is simple and I understand that anxiety is complex. I understand that, uh, that our, our hearts are our minds, our internal person and our bodies are connected. We're integrated beings. And sometimes the anxieties and worries of our heart affect our bodies. Uh, things like acid reflux, insomnia, racing heart, high blood pressure, panic attacks. These kind of things at times can be reflection of something that's going on in our hearts. We all know that. But here's the other thing. Sometimes what's going on in our body can affect us internally as well. So I want to say very clearly that there are, there are situations where people who have not holiday stress. I'm not talking about, hey, I was great until the day after Thanksgiving. I'm talking about there are people that have chronic even debilitating fears and anxieties 
that are very significant in their lives. And so uh, that, that is a very real thing. And you may need to address that physically through a physician. I am not one. I'm a Bible teacher. And, and there is a time to address those kinds of things. And the Lord uses all kinds of means. So, uh, you know, the Lord does all kinds of things to help us. And it could be some of the things we read, like diet and exercise. The Lord can use those to help us with stress. The Lord can use, if you have panic, the Lord can use things like breathing exercises, the pattern of your breathing. The Lord can use medication. The Lord can use supplements. The Lord can use changing certain circumstances that are changeable. Most anxieties aren't because of changeable circumstances oftentimes, but we can change. The Lord can adjust. You can adjust your relationships. We, we want to use every means that would be appropriate to help us. So I don't want to be less I don't want to somehow you'd hear me as a naive person. If you have a chronic, serious issue with anxiety, I, want, I don't want you to feel dis, even disrespected. Like I came to church, the guy who had read one verse, and what I thought was he was saying, like, read that one verse every day, and why do you have any problem? No, I'm not saying anything like that. However, I am saying this, that God may use additional means, but as a Christian, what we're reading here, it is never irrelevant. We never get to the place where we say that, yeah, God's using means, and so I don't need to trust God anymore. I don't need to cast my cares on him anymore. I've got a candle or whatever it is, you know. I'm kind of joking on that one. I don't joke on the other things I said. But, you know, i got a candle and a bathrobe. I don't need the Lord. No, we never get to the place where we're, at. we're always going to need to rel- We're always casting our cares on him. We're always looking to him. We're always like Paul in jail, looking above our circumstances and looking to him. And he may use some other means that strengthen us, but we're always looking to him. It is always the Holy Spirit spirit at work in us that brings peace. That, that, that this scripture is never secondary. It's never irrelevant. It's always true because peace ultimately comes from the Prince of Peace. He may use other means to help us, to comfort us, to strengthen us. Sometimes we're so anxious that we can't even think straight and there needs to be some means to set our minds straight so that we can just think right about the Lord. But we must come to the place of thinking rightly about the Lord. This peace is a promise from God. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So it's a, it's a, it's a scripture that we want to grab onto. It's a truth found elsewhere in scripture that we want to receive with faith, that we want to say, I'm not dismissing other things, but I am saying that this is central and will never grow beyond needing God to give us peace as believers. We never will. Shalom, the peace of God, the way things ought to be, Jesus is restoring that in our lives and will one day fully restore that in a new heavens and a new earth, as I said. So Christmas is about the coming of the Prince of Peace to reign with peace in our lives, to reign in peace where there is conflict so that we can be peacemakers, to reign in peace to reconcile us to God so our relationship is right, but also to give us an experience of his reign of peace now as well. So please note one last thing before we go on. The passage does not say that Christians should not have problems The passage does not say that Christians don't have anxieties. The passage doesn't say anything like that. The passage says that we are to take our anxieties and offer them to him in prayer to receive his peace. We are to thank God. We are to pray to him, cast our burdens on him. And then there is a promise that he will give us a peace. There is not a promise here that he will take away the problem. 
He often does, but he often doesn't. There's no promise here that what you're worried about will go away, and so you won't be worried. What he's promising is peace amidst the worries, and we're going to see that in further scriptures in a minute. So, the peace that he's talking about is divine. You cannot manufacture it. Secondly, it is supernatural. It is supernatural. Look at this. It is a peace, verse 7, that surpasses understanding. The NIV says transcends understanding. It's beyond what you can figure out. You cannot understand your circumstances enough so that now you have peace. It is rather saying that the Prince of Peace is ruling in our hearts such that there will be times in our lives where we look at some kind of mess, some kind of burden, some kind of uncertainty, and we actually think this, I should be freaking out right now. But for some unexplainable reason that has not always happened to me, I have a calm and a peace from the Lord. That there are times in our lives where he said, now, if I really thought about this uncertainty and what I can really do to affect it, I would be in a massive, frantic hysteria. But the reality is, I'm not alone. God is with me, and there is this mysterious, miraculous, supernatural sense of calm that can only be described as the work of God. That's what the Lord wants for us. I'm not saying 24-7 right now, but the Lord is wanting that kind of peace, a supernatural peace that passes understanding, that does not depend on my understanding, does not depend on me figuring out my circumstances, does not depend on me liking my circumstances, doesn't even depend on me liking my life right now. But it is above understanding. It is, it is of God. It is something that only he can do. This is what the scripture teaches elsewhere. Think about John 14. Jesus is going to be leaving, and this is what he says to the disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm leaving, but I'm giving you peace. Did he say you will have no troubles? No, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to have troubles. But in the midst of them, I'm going to give you a supernatural peace. It's amazing. John 16, two chapters later, he's again going to leave. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I am not preaching prosperity theology today. I'm preaching Jesus who says, you will have tribulation. Merry Christmas. You will have tribulation. Jesus guarantees problems. And anybody who preaches that you can have no problems, run. Unless they're preaching about heaven. We all have problems. Paul's more godly than everybody in the room combined, and he's sitting in a dungeon. He's got a problem. He's got faith. He believes God. He's sinning less than us, and he's got tribulation. What Jesus says is that in, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but in me, you have, may, may have peace. So what he is saying is that there is something that transcends understanding that is from God that we can experience in our lives. 
And I want to be realistic about this. I'm not saying that, man, if you're really a godly person, this is pretty much like maybe five minutes a week you worry, but pretty much the rest of the week you're like this. No, it's not where you are. It's are we growing in peace? Let's just, let's just say there. Some of us are in, in a panic. Well, let's just take a step and grow a little bit and see what the Lord might have for us the next step. It starts with trusting him that this is even possible. And I want to say it has to be possible that we can have some measure of peace from God at some point. It has to be possible. It it has to be possible because Jesus died and rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father and poured out the Holy Spirit and has given us his word. It has to be possible that we can grow. Sometimes it's very small and incremental, but that we can grow and experience and meet Jesus in the midst of our tribulations and in the midst of our trouble because he says it in John 14. He says it here. He said it what we read in, in 1 Peter 6. And some of us don't really believe that. We believe I'm just kind of stuck with where I am. I, I'm, I don't think the Lord, yeah, I prayed once. I, I tried something and it just, it, it didn't work. And so I don't think, and, and again, I know anxiety can be complicated. There could be physical issues and other things. I get all that. But even in the midst of that, there must be some hope that the Lord can bring peace. If we enter the Christmas season and say, there's so much stress, there's no hope. I just got to make it through a worried mess. If there's no peace from the Lord, then shut your Bible, turn out the lights, let's go home, and let's don't come back. If Jesus died and rose only so that I can have peace in heaven, and it's just nonstop hopeless turbulence, it's hopeless conflict in all my relationships, it's hopeless panic in all my situations, and there's, there's just no hope, then what are we doing? But if Jesus died and rose and poured out his spirit, there is tremendous hope. And there's more than that. There is a promise from God here that as we do this, the peace of God, which goes beyond understanding, will guard our hearts. And I think part of the beyond understanding is the surprising nature that it happens to us. That there are times in our lives, and you've probably had this, where it's like, wow, I can't believe that I am experiencing the peace of God. I don't know where that came from. How can that be? How can that be? And if you haven't had that experience, I think the Lord wants you to have, I think the Lord's going to give you that experience. I feel very unqualified to speak about suffering because when I look at my age and compare my life with so many people I know, even in this church, uh, I feel like I have escaped so much suffering. There are people in our church that are chronically ill. There are people in our church that are, have, you know, significant financial burdens and uh, abuse in their background and family situations that are probably beyond what I can experience or what I know by experience. But like everybody, if you live long enough, you'll suffer. So I've had my times. And I can remember one time in particular when my mom died. She's the closest person to me. The first person close to me that ever died was my mom. Godly lady. And I'm not just saying this because when you remember someone, you sort of eulogize and make it sound better than it is. She really was godly. Introduced me to the Lord, raised me in the Lord. I believe most of what has happened in my life has been God's gracious answer to her prayers. I'm sure she prayed in my wife, Ginger. Uh, I'm sure she's, uh, you know, so many things. She has, the Lord's honored her prayers, her example, her care for me. So when 
I was a younger man. I was married, but I was a younger man. When she died, it was like a rooting, a rock in my life, a place to depend, a person to depend on, a place to go home to and feel real welcome and love was gone. And uh, so, like anyone, I naturally grieved. Grieving is natural, it's appropriate, it's normal, it's not unchristian. So I wept. I felt things I'd never felt before. I felt disoriented. Uh, I felt an ache. I remember thinking days, will, I, will this ache always be, will I, will I ever feel normal again? If you've lost someone, maybe you know that. Will I ever feel normal again? And uh, I do feel normal. It did come back. But I can remember even in the saddest times, uh, and she died young, I mean, relatively young. She was early, early 60s, which is by today's standard, yeah, she's pretty young. People frequently live longer than that. But I can remember at various times having this thought, I'm sad, I'm confused, this is hard, but at the bottom of it all, there is this stillness. There is this rest. Now, she's with the Lord, but there was this sense of the peace of God. The Holy Spirit says he's the comforter, and I experience that comfort in a supernatural way. I mean, there is real value to what Christ does in the gospel for us, and oftentimes we don't experience that until we're at a deep part of need. And I was at a deep part of need, and I was like, wow, the, the Lord is meeting me. The Lord is helping me. This is, uh, this is something that I, I should be, I miss her, but I should be worse than I'm doing right now. I remember having that thought. I should be doing worse that I'm doing, but the Lord is helping me. The Lord is helping me. And, and he, we serve a gracious God who wants to give us peace. He's not hiding peace. He's not telling you to go earn your peace. He's not playing hide and go seek with you. The Lord is leaning towards us uh, with, with peace. And I can't explain why, you know, how everything always works out at all, but I can look to this promise the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it is a supernatural peace. Number three, it is a protective peace. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this word guard is very interesting. It's a word garrison. It could be translated garrison. Do you know what a garrison is? A garrison is a unit of soldiers. And Philippi was a Roman colony. So there was a Roman garrison there. There were soldiers at the gate, I don't know, outside the gate, inside the gate. I don't really know how it all worked. But there was a unit of Roman soldiers in Philippi. And so they guarded the city. If somebody wanted to come mess with Philippi, you're messing with Rome. Philippi is a small thing, but you've got the Holy Roman Empire, the largest at that point, most powerful empire in the world. You're going to have to deal with them if you're going to hurt the people in Philippi. You're going to try to take over Philippi, you've got to deal with Rome. And there's this, there's this uh, garrison of guards out protecting. That's the word he uses. He says, guard, the peace uh, that surpasses understanding will guard your heart's and minds. He's saying, this is what the Lord can do for us. The Lord can put guards outside our mind, outside our heart. And in his essence saying, all the troubles are still out there. Okay. All the potential enemies, the unknown medical diagnosis that you're waiting on, that's still out there wanting to yell at you, wanting to tempt you, wanting to, that's still out there. The financial burden that's still out there squawking at this time of year for sure. The family's still coming for Christmas, unless you take the hotel cue. They're going to, with that advice I gave you earlier, you're you're still going to have Christmas. So the burden of who's going to say what at Christmas this year is still going to be there. 
the, the, uh, the, uh, the burden about, you know, whatever it is that, that is on your mind today, it's still out there. But what he's saying is to get to you, it's got to come through the guards of God's peace. The peace that passes understanding is guarding, is protecting. And when things get crazy on the inside of the city, he can bring order to that chaos. So if there's a, a, a rebellion inside Philippi and someone stands up and say, I'm taking over Philippi, well, the guards are going to come in and squash that rebellion and bring order to the chaos. This is what the Holy Spirit can do for us miraculously, supernaturally. And so today, where is it that you need supernatural, unexplainable peace of God to protect your heart and mind in this season? And I want you to think about that and imagine by faith what it would be like if God was setting up a guard and protecting all the thoughts that we mull over that keep us up at night, would protecting for those, protecting you from those by his peace. Where, where you took your backpack off and you set it at the Lord and you said, okay, it's Christmas time and I have a backpack, I got a guard, that's what I got, that's pretty good. What would that be like? What, what if your to-do list was just a list of things, by God's grace, I'm going to do the best I can, I'm going to get whatever I can done, I'm going to try to be faithful, if I'm not, I'm going to ask forgiveness if I blow it. But it's just a list, here are the order of things that the Lord has called me to and has provided for me to do for his glory. What if that was your to-do list at Christmas? Instead of the, the log of stresses that are in front of me. What if it's just the things the Lord's called me to do and equip me instead of the burdens that will never get done or will get done very badly and pressures? What if that was Christmas? What if shopping wasn't this burdenous thing of trying to please everybody and make, you know, what if it was an exercise in the Lord, thank you. He said, pray with thanksgiving. Thank you for these people that you've given to me and what they mean to me in my life. Lord, this is an exercise of worship. I have some money, budget it, order it. Maybe the gifts aren't what you'd want them to be. They, they aren't. We love people more than we can afford to give them gifts that reflect that. But it's, this is my money. This is what I can spend on the person. But shopping for them is going to be, Lord, thank you for that person. Thank you that they're in my life. And if it's a bad relationship, Lord, would you mend that? Would you make me a peacemaker this Christmas? Somehow, could you mend our relationship? What if it was an exercise in worship and gratitude and showing love? And it was about blessing them, not impressing them, not winning their favor, not matching what they gave you last year, not measuring up. No. It's, what if it was that, the peace of God covering? Or what if it's gathering with family members? And what if you stress and worry about what's it going to be? Are the same conversations? Are they still going to treat me like I'm 13 years old at the dinner table bringing up the story about that? Yeah, we've all heard every year about the story, you know, about the time that, you know, I, I knocked over the Christmas tree. And what, yeah, okay, we are, do we have to hear that story again this year? You know, what if instead of really wanting affirmation, from the dad that doesn't affirm you every Christmas or really wanting uh, to impress your aunt or your grandmother with where you are in life, really wanting them to be proud of you. What if it wasn't about what I receive from anybody and the peace of God was in my heart so that I approached the meal and the day and the gift exchange and the hanging out and whatever you do at Christmas. What, what if it was, man, I, I'm going to take an interest in others and I'm going to take an interest in their life and I'm going to serve them and love them because Jesus serves them and loves them and I'm going to represent Christ to them. So my goal is not what I receive at all. The peace of God is guarding my heart. It's setting my expectations. My goal is to love this Christmas. What if the Lord could actually help us do that?
Well, he can. He died to reign in our hearts with peace. Now, some of you are facing much greater stressors, and the examples I'm giving about gift giving and to-do lists are like puny, because you're here today and your marriage is on its last thread. Is there peace for you? You're here today and your child lives with special needs, and so it's one more Christmas season that means more labor for you, more, um, j- j- more effort and care, and that is hard. Or you have an older kid, a teenage kid, or an adult kid that's coming home for Christmas that was raised in the Lord but has drifted. And so your burden's not, what do I buy? Do I buy them a, a, a sweater? Or a, that's not your burden. Your burden is, do they know Jesus? And that's an ache in your soul. You don't know that January 1, you're going to have a job. There's, they're cutting at the end of the year. What's going to happen? So you're sitting here today saying, I don't even know if I'm going to have a job. There are people in our church who have lost people in the last year. So this will be the first Christmas without a spouse, a child, a parent. And so you're thinking, how am I going to face Christmas? Because there's going to be an empty seat at the table. That's my stress. So you, uh, Shopping, who cares? That's my stress. Someone in the church told me, I was recently talking to them, and they said, you know what? We're going to visit so-and-so for Christmas. It's a relative. I said, you know what? This will be the last Christmas probably that we spend with them because they have a terminal disease. That's stress. And you say, what about that big stuff like that? Is Jesus enough for that? I can't pretend to be in your situation, but I can say this, that the scripture says that as we cast our cares, as we look to him, as we cry out, and literally cry sometimes with the burdens and the aches of our hearts and lives. The Prince of Peace lovingly surrounds and comforts us with the presence of the Holy Spirit and can take our burdens. Though our troubles and burdens may still be there, peace, supernatural, unexplainable peace. It's possible that the Lord could meet you and in this Christmas you could say, I experienced Jesus in the midst of very, very hard circumstances. And my experience is that's often where he shows himself most powerfully is when we're hurting the most. Last thought, a present peace. It's a supernatural peace, uh, but it's a protective peace, and he's also a present peace. Look at verse 9. What have you learned, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Hey, this is good news, friends. Verse 7, the peace of God will guard you. Verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. This is good news. This is good news. He is with us. He is with us. Now, there is a condition in this verse, I believe, in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So it does mean that we do have a control over what goes into our heads, our minds. And so it does mean that we need to think on the right things, which if I'm pulling out the brick and going, oh, this is going to be really bad, it's not going to work. If I'm, in essence, saying God is not enough in that situation, financially, relationally, whatever, I do need to replace that with truth. 
I do need to drop my backpack and I do need to fill my mind with truth. And obviously truth is found here. Last week on the first Sunday of Advent, I gave the pause for peace challenge sort of. And I said, if you're not a regular Bible reader and prayer, or maybe you kind of haphazard, what if you took up until Christmas, the 28 days as of last Sunday, and every day you set aside 15 minutes to read, maybe read one of the whole gospels, read an Advent devotional. um, So you could read a chapter of the gospels of one of the gospels each day. We talked about that, reading the Bible and praying and seeing if the Lord would give peace to you as you focused your thoughts around him. So many of our thoughts were just filled with so much time on the internet. We're reading news, which brings anxiety. We're reading blogs. Uh, we're looking at people's Facebook and their Instagram. And some of us need to shut that down till January 1. Listen, especially if you're tempted, every, ladies, every time you see the Christmas tree and the fireplace and the smiling, perfect children in the picture, and, that, and what you don't realize is 15 minutes before it was hellish and 15 minutes afterwards it was, and that was the one second, everything was great. And you compare yourself and you feel, just shut that noise off. Rejoice with them. It's great that they had 15 minutes of joy. But, you know, shut that down if you don't need the temptation. That's not helping you. So if comparison's your challenge, turn away, but fill our minds with things of truth. Now, I love it in the book that, on peace that I recommended, the Andy Farmer in there says he counsels, he's a, he's a pastor and a count, biblical counselor. He says, I counsel a lot of people. And I just recommended that we think about God and his word and that we pray. We actually cast our cares on him. So I'm recommending a devotional a connection with Christ to help and bring peace. And this is what he says after he does that in the book. I thought it was so good. He says, chances are this is where you say, great, thanks for the failed devotions guilt trip. Some of you think, oh, I knew we'd get that at the end. I got to get to read my Bible. I did that. It didn't work. I prayed. I did. You think I don't pray? I'm anxious. You think I don't pray? Okay. So we guess don't, you know, or I don't pray enough. You tell me I got to pray more. He says, believe me, I'm one of the most disciplined, challenged people you'll ever know. I have a file drawer filled with well-intentioned but abandoned devotional plans. But I learned something simple that has made a consistent de- devotional life not only possible but a reality in my life. Here it is. Here's his tip. This is what changed me from lacking div- uh, discipline to consistent. Here's, here's the nugget. The only way we'll ever have consistent peace producing spiritual devotions is if we are convinced that God accepts us whether we have them or not. That's the fact of our reconciliation with God. We come to him already accepted and the God we come to delights to see us. That's a very different perspective. That's like, I got to put in my time and then God will owe me this peace. I've got to do this and then this will happen. God must be kind of mad at me, so I must be feeling anxious. So that means God's mad at me or something's not wrong or I didn't spend enough time. He's saying it was liberating to me to say I'm reconciled with God. I'm God's child. He loves me regardless of this, but he delights to hear from me. So when I'm saying pause for peace for 15 minutes, or maybe you read the Bible and, and pray a lot more than that, tremendous, but whatever it is, when I'm saying that, what I'm saying is there is a God who is offering peace to us, who has given his son to die for our sins, to be raised for us, to pour out the spirit upon us, to give us peace. And he is eager to meet with us. It is not a legalistic burden to check off. It is not a box to check off. So God's okay with me. It is the means of receiving the Prince of peace to work in our lives and to change our hearts and to be real to us. What a joy that we could go before the Lord and 
say, I don't want to just give you a brick. I'm going to name each brick. But at the end of this casting my care on you, I'm going to leave the backpack at your feet and walk away carefully. I'm going to leave it to you. I don't want it. And that God eagerly says, I died to bear your burdens. He's not opposed to giving you peace. He's not opposed to comforting you. He's not opposed to speaking truth to you. He's not, he's, he's not, he's not playing mean games with you and saying, well, I'm going to bless others, but not you. He doesn't want you to suffer apart from him this Christmas. You may suffer this Christmas, but he wants to be near you. He wants to protect your heart and mind. That's what he does. That's what the spirit does. Guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Cast your cares on him, Peter says, because he cares for you. The whole thing is not cast your care on him because that's one more thing you got to do for Christmas. Oh, now I got to do one more thing. I got to remember all my burdens are cast. Cast your care because he cares for you and he'll take them and he will give you peace. A step at a time, growing slowly over our lifetimes, increasing peace in our lives. He is the Prince of Peace and He reigns and He reigns now. He will one day reign eternally face to face, but He reigns now through the Holy Spirit in our hearts, speaking to us by His Scripture. Call out to Him for peace and let's trust that this could be a year that could be different for us during the season and that we'd hit the new year with a new experience because the Spirit led us through this time surrounded by the peace of God. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.